0: Welcome back to the Move Against Cancer podcast. Um, it's Lucy Gossage here. Thank you so much for listening. Um, so this week, I am so excited to be talking to the absolute game changer, Jacqueline Gold. Jacqueline's been CEO of Summers for over 30 years. She started her career aiming to empower women in the bedroom, evolved to empower women in the boardroom, and has always had female empowerment at the core of everything she does. She also has breast cancer. I came across Jacqueline when I listened to an amazing interview she did with Stephen Bartlett on Diary of the CEO. So obviously everyone knows about Unsummers. We all know um, what that brand stands for. Um, but I never really thought about the lady behind the brand. Jacqueline has had one hell of a life so far. And I'd really recommend going back and listening to this interview where she discussed some of the huge highs and lows in both her professional and her personal life. It's a hell of a story. When I messaged her on Instagram, uh, having listened to this podcast, one asking whether she might consider joining us, in all honesty, I never really expected a reply. But I guess, as Jacqueline would say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and you never know what might come of it. Jacqueline uses her platform to empower women to be their own champions, to follow their passions, to celebrate success and to put themselves out of their comfort zone. These are all themes that resonate really strongly with me. I cannot wait to chat with Jacqueline and I really hope you enjoy it. Um, Jacqueline Gold, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Um, I'm going to start with a quote that I found from you on Twitter. Um, Sometimes it can be hard to step outside of your comfort zone, but you never know what magic you might find in that uncomfortable place. Um now, I'm not going to lie, I'm way out of my comfort zone talking to you. Firstly, um, because I always, you know, I always question why someone as busy and, you know, as influential, who's doing so much amazing stuff, would take time to talk to, you know, to talk to me. Um, but also, I've actually only ever been brave enough to go into an Ann Summers shop once. <laughs> and that was about 15 years ago, just being dumped with a boyfriend. And some of my uni girlfriends came up and decided that a trip to Anne Summers was the way to drown my sorrows. Um, so I wondered, just to, just to start, could you tell me the most recent time that you've been out of your comfort zone?
1: Gosh, um, I mean, I, I've, I like to think I'm somebody that, you know, being out of our comfort zone is is uncomfortable. And I think that, you know, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Otherwise, everything just stays the same. And if we want to progress forward and if we want to take, particularly, you know, the subject we're talking about here, if we want to take um, some control in our lives, you know, then we do have to we do have to step outside our comfort zone. So, um, you know, as we know, going to see our oncologist, Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, Lucy, but going to see our oncologist every three months is a moment in time of being outside our comfort zone because we never know what's going to be, you know, w- what we're going to hear. Mm. So, um, and, you know, it doesn't matter how successful you are, you know, if you're in that place where you are suffering from, you know, a, a, in my case, breast cancer, you know, it's something very challenging, then you're no different to anybody else. Um, so it's the same for all of us. I just think I'm somebody who... Um, I have learned through business, probably, probably through my business. And also I've faced a lot of, um, lot of, you know, challenges throughout my personal life, uh, you know, throughout my, I'm 62 now. So I've p- faced a lot of challenges ever since, you know, I was sort of in my early teens. Um, and those challenges can, can, they can challenge you and change you and shape you in different ways. You know, in my case, I think it actually, has made me more resilient. Um, I think it's made me more determined. Um, Not that I'd ever want to have those challenges again, but I am somebody who likes to see the positive in everything or the lesson in everything. You know, what can I learn from this? And certainly, um, you know, my, I mean, I was diagnosed in 2016. Actually, I started off with stage two uh, breast cancer, which was uh, I was told, very curable. Unfortunately, things didn't turn out so, so great for me. And each time I've had a relapse or a setback, I have made it, you know, I sit down quietly on my own and I think about, okay, what is the lesson here? What is the good in this? What can I take from this? And I need to do that for my own sanity. It's my way of coping with it. And I can't, if I were to sit there and drown in my sorrows, which, of course, we all, we all have m- periods of doing that. But then I think, right, I've, I've done that. I now need to really climb out of this. And, you know, why has this happened to me? Um, and then take something good from it and hopefully um, inspire other people. Or maybe it's about, um, you know, being healthier in my own life or inspiring my daughter. Whatever it is, um, you have to find the good in either good in a bad situation.
0: That's easy to say. And I I like to think that my job as an oncologist helps me to kind of look at life very differently and appreciate the good things and the small things and and being healthy and fit and, you know, all all the little things that we tend to take for granted. But um, when something tough does happen, it's, I you know, I haven't had a lot of bad experience in my life, but when I have and I've tried to turn them around and remind myself that, it is just. I broke my collarbone once, and and it was just before a big race. Telling myself it's just a collarbone didn't actually help. Do you ha, have you had to work on that that self talk to, to? I never challenges?
1: tell myself, "Oh, it's just cancer. Don't worry about it." I don't approach it in that way, um, you know. Uh, and also, if I look back at my my challenging my past challenges, you know, I lost my son when he was eight months old. Mm. This this is um, 13 years ago so you know I've had some pretty tough things to have to deal with um and yeah I guess it's it's sort of saying to myself okay I was I'm not living such a healthy life before um you know I was throwing everything into my work um I would put put myself under immense pressure I would you know, like many women say yes to so many things. And I was wearing so many hats, you know, I, I am a big champion of female empowerment. Um, I was doing stuff for the government at the time, you know, um, there was a, I was running my business. I, there was so much I was doing, you know, trying to be the perfect wife, you know, all of these things that, you know, we do, um, we, we do put ourselves under enormous stress. And really, I think, and you may maybe disagree or not agree, but I think when you have um, an illness, whether it be as something as simple as tinnitus or you have something like breast cancer, it is your body telling you that things aren't right and you're not doing the right things and, and, and that you need to, to maybe make changes? Not that I'm, I'm blaming this all on me. You know, obviously, I subsequently found out I had the BRCA gene, which that's not my fault. You know, I inherited mm. the BRCA gene. But I, I recent, my, do, my, my, um, my sister, who's seven years younger than me, you know, because I had the BRCA gene, we then got her tested, she was positive. We understood that she was very lucky. She's uh, 57, I think, very lucky not to have had breast cancer by now. She has since been extremely brave and had a double mastectomy. And she's also had her ovaries removed. I take that one as one of the positives of me having breast cancer that i've actually been able to save my sister so that's one of the positives that i've taken from this experience so i think it's i think if you dig deep you will find something and it's going to be different for everybody but it just it i need to i need to feel that this isn't all in vain you know i'm i i want to help other people i want to carry on I want to live as long as life as possible. And if I could, if I'm allowed to Lucy, and this is just, uh, just from my own experience, one of the things I would like to share with you and actually any oncologist that might be listening. Yeah. I'm a very positive person as you can probably tell. (laughs) And I, I don't want to repeatedly hear that I have a life shortening disease. Mm. I only need to do that once. Don't, Please don't tell me more than once. But I then want to hear I have long life potential because I believe I do. And I think it's just, you know, these are the things that help people in my situation is that, that positive outlook, that looking at things through a positive lens. And the more we can do that, the more we can, we can feel empowered. You know, I, 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 I'm always putting together, uh, you know, I do it for my work, but I put together a health strategy. Mm -hmm. I want to feel that I am, that it's not just all on your shoulders. I want to feel that I'm doing something to support and help myself heal. Um, And if that, you know, nobody, none of us know how long we have. Um, You could argue that we're all terminal. But I just want to feel that I'm doing all the things I can you know, like, obviously, I know that you're passionate about um, exercise. And, you know, you do this fabulous podcast and and the charity that you run. Um, And I've, I'd be honest, I've never found exercise easy. But I do recognize that this is important. And this is something that I now do with much more commitment than I have ever done. Because I have a 13 year old daughter, and I want to be a healthy mum for as long as I possibly can be
0: gosh that is, there's so many so many comments I want to say on that um firstly has anyone just out of interest for me I'll go back to your your positivity and optimizing because I think that's something I I struggle with really hard actually as an oncologist but um before that has anyone ever talked to you any of your oncologists or healthcare professionals about the benefits of, of physical activity or not just a, a, a quick very quick yes no
1: not really um I think that um most oncologists are men I think and I've had mm, three or four oncologists during my six years I've had a a, a couple of bad experiences one oncologist actually was struck off so that was you know know, and and, you know that that's a hard thing to go through I I think having an oncologist who you have a really good connection with, and a good relationship, and an understanding of who you are and what makes you tick. Um, and I think, I think I, I sometimes can be my own worst enemy because I ask too many questions, and suddenly I find myself going down a rabbit hole that maybe I don't want to go down. Um, but I think one of the one of the things is, I think you know we could. There could be more support, and um, um, outside of the actual session with your oncologist um, about exercise, and and if you don't mind me saying, because obviously the business I I'm in, but also how it affects your sex life, you know, I um, you know, I know that men, if 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 they have diagnosed, I have a family member who was diagnosed with prostate cancer. The male oncologist didn't hesitate to tell him how this was going to affect his his sex life. And this, you know, panned out and they had a conversation about it and came up with a plan and whatever. But people are too embarrassed to talk to women about how this is going to affect their sex lives. And actually, it had a big impact on my sex life. You know, I don't need to spell out all of all of the things, but even having had a mastectomy on my Mm -hmm. right breast and I had this awful fear. Is my husband still going to fancy me? Nobody did discuss that with me. So that's, you know, something that I have done myself and I do on my own social media channels about talking about this because, and actually I'm also aligned with breast cancer now. So um, I've done quite a few videos on it for them. Um, and I do think we need to um, create an environment where, you know, we our oncologist feels comfortable in raising things and that as, as women, we're not we don't feel that raising that type of issue is trivial. It really is not trivial because in the same way, exercise is important for your well-being. So is your sex life really important for your well-being and your, you know, your relationship. So we do need to be um, more candid about these things.
0: Oh, that, that I mean, I, we agree, absolutely. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I know oncologists don't bring up. Um, as often, anywhere near as often as we should do. Um, And we actually did a a podcast interview with three young people and a sex therapist a few few months ago. And one of the things that that they said, so these were young people who'd had cancer. um, One of the things they said was that the only time sex was ever discussed was in a, you shouldn't have sex without protection, you shouldn't do this, you need to be aware of this. So it was all very negative. And there was no problem solving, there were no solutions, there were no um it was either not brought up at all or it was discussed in a very negative way. Um, we've actually the very next podcast, Jacqueline, after this one, is just all about sex. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a, that's um, brilliant. That's a man so with crazy. prostate cancer, women um, with breast cancer. Yeah, and...
1: I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Actually, just to mention, just to indulge me for one minute, <laughs> during my first year of treatment, which was brutal, um, you know, I lost my eyesight. I couldn't feel my feet. I mean, I think I had. I think I counted twenty-three side effects. Um, I actually came up with a new product range for Anne Summers um, called My Viv, which stands for my very. Have you heard about it?
0: I, uh, of course, I have, Jacqueline. I've yeah. done my homework.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So it stands for my very important vagina, which actually I managed to get Lorraine Kelly to say twice on the Lorraine <laughs> program. So I was very proud of that. And uh, no, we, you know, it's, these are the good things that come from our bad experiences. You know, I'm now in um, partnership with the LOC, the London Oncology Centre. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we sell it through Boots and and, and other, um, you know, important outlets. But these are the positive things, um, you know, that can come from our, our bad experiences. And I think we also, as individuals, we need a purpose. We don't I think it's important not to, I don't want my, or oh, I don't call it my, actually, I don't want the breast cancer that I have to define me. You know, I, I'm much more than somebody who has breast cancer. And actually, your listeners, they're all the same. They all are much more, whether they are mothers or wives or they have a fantastic job or career or small business or large business that they run. Um, we There's so much more to us and we mustn't allow this to define us.
0: Oh, we I I I think one of the things I took from just reading about you is that actually probably most people who who know of you would not know that you had breast cancer and it's it's obviously a massive part of your life but it doesn't need to be a part of your public persona um and and it's certainly not something that you need to talk about or should yeah you know, I I guess something I I wonder about and I've wondered about quite for for a while is being well known being a a celebrity in inverted commas, who has cancer or something else awful going on, in some ways must add a huge element of pressure because you've got to juggle your work, you've got to juggle your family. And I, I don't know if you if you've ever felt kind of pressure to to do something, to to kind of do something meaningful with your your adversity because you're well known, you have a platform. I and I, I've always wondered is that is that a pressure that that you felt? Is it exhausting if you have
1: I don't feel I have to, I just want to. Mm-hmm. So maybe for the first couple of years I didn't because I think, you know, uh, you have to prioritize your own well-being. And when that time is right and you, you you realize that, you know, I stepped out of my comfort zone again and I started talking about it on my Instagram and I'm, I'm also on LinkedIn and, and Twitter as well. Um and as i st- as i started to share things i just noticed how much people really wanted to hear hear about that um, and when you feel that you're actually adding value and you're you're helping people um you know, there's something very satisfying about that and so you know that's one of the reasons why i wanted to come on on your on your podcast so um yeah, I think it's got to be in your own time and, you know, no, I, nobody should be under pressure. But I think when you have a profile, what hap- what you do have to face into is once you do share your experiences, then you, you are then uh, inviting people to have that conversation with you whenever they want to. And I'm OK with that.
0: But that must be hard sometimes. Do people message you on on social media and say, "I've got breast cancer." You know, what did you do with this? How did you do with it? This side effect. How do I, you know, what? How do I, do? How do I have sex with a dry vagina or whatever? Do, do you get lots of messages from people like that?
1: I, I do get quite a few, if I'm honest. And
0: sometimes
1: uh, I don't really look at my messages until the evening when I'm sort of sitting down. And sometimes I'll rattle back a reply there and then sometimes it might take me a couple of days to think on it but I I try to answer everybody
0: well you answered me which I didn't expect <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to the my viv range I think you know talking about about sexuality and appearances it isn't something the NHS does well have you ever thought about trying to to use your platform to work with the NHS in kind of an education sense, so you've developed a range and some great products, and have got personal insight and no doubt professional insight from, you know, people who or, or organisations that that know about, um, I guess, know I know ways of managing different side effects. Have you ever thought about about doing anything with the NHS?
1: Yeah, I have done. Um, it's enormously difficult, um, you know, reaching out to such a huge organization I mean I, I don't know I mean obviously you will know this but you know I think it's the third largest employer in the world um mm. so it's absolutely massive and um you know under a lot of strain as well so it it you know it's 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 easier to go to a charity and work with the charity um and I find that much more at the mo- at the moment I mean gosh if, if the NHS wanted to do something with me, I would absolutely jump at the chance because I think if we can reach more, you know, more people, um, that's a fantastic thing. And I have so many ideas. Um, but it, it, it's a bit like trying to do business with the government. You know, it's like, it's like hitting your head against a brick wall. So I find that, I find that really difficult. Um, but I, as, as I said earlier, I work with breast cancer now, um, and um you know we've done some fantastic campaigns and uh you know different things together so but you know there's there's things coming up all the time and I'm I'm you know always available to to support where I can
0: I think you're probably right to to stick with the charities from (laughs) this is how move started trying to do anything within the NHS is it's a it's got a very no-can-do attitude compared to charities which, you know, have ideas and, yeah, we will make it happen, which is, is really refreshing. Um, something that I see very often with people when they're diagnosed with cancer is that that sense of losing control. Um, and, you know, I, I imagine given what you've achieved in your life, you've spent most of your life feeling, feeling very in control and, um, how, how did you, did you ever feel a bit out of control with the cancer and, and how did you manage those feelings if, if you did?
1: Oh, my gosh, this, it's been such a roller coaster, as I'm sure you've heard mo- over and over again. Um, I remember when I was first diagnosed, um, my husband was with me. My sister came up to the, um, the hospital where I was and uh, they, they came towards me and I could see they'd both been crying. And I said, why are you crying? You know, we, we've got to sit down. We've got to, put a, we've got to put a plan together here. That was my sort of way of dealing with it. And actually, mm. my first year was incredible. And as an oncologist, I think you might appreciate this. I, I, um, my, after my first year of treatment, I had a complete response, which I know is very, very rare. Yeah. And I was told that if you have a complete response, you are m- most likely it won't come back and that you're cured. Unfortunately, the oncologist that I had at the time, um, although he put me on letrozole, he didn't take me off of uh, HRT. In fact, he encouraged me to stay on it. And uh, everybody I've told that to has been quite shocked. And that, you know, in the um, the words of my current oncologist, that is why it came back. So I then had it, it came back in the same area. I then had um, a Mastectomy, And then about two years later, it then travelled to my lymph nodes and then my uh, areas of my bone. Um, so obviously, you can imagine the sort of when it came back, that was a, a moment of being out of control. Um, and yeah, I went I went through a really, really tough period. Um, I changed oncologists a couple of times, um, which is difficult because we like, we like a constant in our lives, especially when we're feeling vulnerable. Um, but I, I, you know, have done a huge amount of research on this myself. And, you know, you could go on forever, couldn't you? We, You could be totally overwhelm yourself. Um, but I think for me, being in control is also about feeling i am playing a part in my recovery and that i'm you know we all know that oncology which is the uh orthodox you know the orthodox um treatment is absolutely vital to our longevity but it is one-dimensional mm-hmm. i think that you know i am the sort of person who is very supportive uh, or, 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 you know, believes that you need other areas to complement what what our oncologist is doing for us and whether that is obviously exercise. We know that diet plays a big part. Um, and there, there are other things, you know, I, I, I use an infrared sauna. I believe that to be um, very good for me. And um, I meditate twice a day. You know, I need to keep my stress levels down and it's very easy to you know, allow that to, you know, that can escalate. So there are a number of things that I do to to uh, complement what my oncologist is doing.
0: And I don't think we should ever underestimate the power of believing that you're doing something that's making a difference, whether or not it is. Because a, a lot of, you know, infrared sauna will never know whether it actually makes a difference because there'll never be a big, you know, a big trial to look at people who use it and they don't. But if it makes you feel that you're doing something, that itself is hugely powerful, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And when I'm doing those other things myself, it does It does make me feel empowered. And, uh, you know, um, that self-belief that I can live a long time is really important. And if it means doing things like, having a vitamin C infusion uh which I which I'm I'm doing at the moment whether you're quite right you'll never know whether those things work but I tell you what it's very empowering Mm. it really lifts me and that's the place I want to be in what what I what I don't feel works for me is if you you know I'm not the sort of person I can say right I put this all in the hands of my oncologist and I'm just going to be uh you know, a um I'm just gonna be a, a, a passive patient who comes along and just, yeah, okay, do what I'm told, hear the news. And you know, it's very hard to stay to stay positive and upbeat when you're not contributing
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, to to your to your health, you know, your healing journey.
0: Do you know I one of the So I I mentioned briefly before the start, but I had a few years out when I was a professional athlete, so full-time athlete. And one of my biggest learning experiences was breaking my collarbone eight weeks before the World Championships. And it was the last World Championships before I went to work, went back to work. Um, And I remember at the time just feeling like it was, you know, my career had ended with a broken collarbone. It was all helpless. But actually what I did was invested in, various things that my medical brain would say there is no point in taking turmeric you know loads of turmeric and I got an ultrasound um, thing that I could use but my point is there was I, I knew medically probably they didn't do very much but I thought if there's even a tiny chance it's giving me something that I feel I can make a difference to my chance of being able to race and it was such a useful experience because so often um, I, I guess it just helps me relate to that feeling of ha- taking back control when it feels like control's been taken. It's something that I could do that might make a difference. And, and did you I felt that it was. Sorry. Did you recover? I enough? did. You I did. did. And who knows whether it was because of the ultrasound and the turmeric or whether it was, you know, I had, a, I had it operated on, but um, I, I could go and rate it. But it was just such a useful experience of of being a patient and and yeah it wasn't cancer it wasn't life threatening i mm-hmm. i always feel embarrassed talking about it to people who've who've got cancer or had cancer but actually it did give me a massive insight no
1: but when it affects your passion and your career it is massive
0: mm. and and uh, uh, yeah i guess it's helped me understand how feeling that you're doing something is so empowering to people who've got any kind of uh, of chronic condition um i'm really interested in meditation cuz I imagine you're perhaps someone who who doesn't naturally find it easier to stop and sit still. I mean, I I love the idea of meditating, but I can't oh,
1: that's so true. Um, I I've tried meditating on and off for years, and I find it so difficult. Um. Anyway, I had a bit of a relapse uh, a, a few months ago, and. Um, I felt so stressed by it, you know. You just and it, actually, it wasn't the relapse. It, in fact, you probably wouldn't even call it a relapse, but it was just that. You know what you what the oncologist says and what you hear are two different things often, yeah. and you just focus on that negative. And so I, I somebody told me about the London uh, Meditation Center, which is run by a lady called Gillian Lavender, and she also uh, has is an author. She's written a book on meditation. Uh, and her colleague Martin Miller and um, I thought I'm I'm going to go on this course. It was a, a four day course at Notting Hill Gate, and um, it just it just introduced me. I mean, I'd done meditation before, but it just took me to a new level. And there was about twenty other people there, and they'd all d- had different things happen in their lives that brought them to this this one place. And I found it incredible, absolutely incredible, and. I found that my sleep was once I'd done this course, my sleep was improved. I couldn't bear the thought of not meditating. Um, I'd learned how to do it properly. And um, I even found myself, I, I suddenly realized about three days in thinking, Oh my God, I haven't, I haven't thought today. I haven't reminded myself today that I, I have breast cancer, you know, and that's, such a, a, it's such a wonderful thing to go three days without actually thinking about you know waking up and thinking oh yeah you know I've got breast cancer it's you know it's those little things that make such a huge difference and um, you know I know a lot of people find it difficult but if you can find a way to break through I did and you know it just was amazing even to the point where the colours of the of flowers and just things around me suddenly were so vibrant and um, you know different it, it really had an, an amazing impact on me and still does. Do you meditate every day? I meditate twice a day for 20 minutes at a time and if you look at your phone you know it comes up at the end of the day and tells you how much screen time you've used that yeah. week. <laughs> I promise you you've got time to fit it in and I've I've learned as well. I can meditate anywhere. I mean, I'll meditate on a train. I've just got my, my headphones with me. I meditate on a beach. It doesn't matter where I am. Um, I can always find a little slot somewhere to uh, you know, even if I'm multitasking and I'm you know I'm on that um, you know I'm on my infrared sauna. I'll do it then. I'll I'll anywhere.
0: I love just, I, I love. I mean, I'm really intrigued by that because for someone who is such a, you know, such a leader and a game changer and a high flyer and bossing people around and making, you know, changes to actually incorporate that into your life. I'd love to think that one day I might be able to do that. But um...
1: You re- you know, at first you don't think you've got the time, but when you actually learn how to do it properly, you realise that you're so much more productive mm. in the time that you're not meditating. Um than you were before
0: something you said when you were you were talking about meditating was was waking up every day thinking you've got cancer is it is that is that what happens with well I guess without meditation it
1: did happen um I don't feel that way now um I don't have that you know and that's not to say I'm not going to have it in a year's time I don't have that fear that waking up and i'm sure people watching this will know what that feels like you know you you wake up and then suddenly it's ding oh yeah mm. um and i think that if you meditation has definitely helped that and also just having a purpose just you know reevaluating. i mean the great thing about lockdown is it did give us all chance to reevaluate our priorities yeah one of the things for me was you know what is my purpose? Why am I here? It's not just about, you know, yes, I've been very successful and I've, I've brought this, I've built this amazing brand. Um, but it needs to be more than that. You know, I think we, we all need that purpose and, and, and why we're here. And I, I dug deep and I, you know, my, my, um, my purpose has always been empowering women in the bedroom. That's why I started out. Uh, and then as time's gone on, I, I, you know, I like to empower women in the boardroom and I do a lot of a lot of work around that. And I speak at universities and, and do you know, different things that I do. Um, and uh, and also just, you know, empowering women with their health. I think if we can if we can find that purpose, it's. You know, it stops us focusing on, on the bad stuff
0: was um so your your sister I think I'm right is now CEO of van Summers and your executive chair was that decision part of this priority shifting that you that you talked about
1: yeah I mean I, I as a family we've we've gone through you know a, a very tough five years we, we're extremely close um, my father's 86 my sister uh, is uh, younger than me but she's had to carry the burden of both our health, you know, be there to support us and be our cheerleaders. Um, and also we, we run a family business. Vanessa has been fantastic in keeping that running. But, um, you know, we all know that we have to give priority to our own well-being. So, um, you know, breaking... I mean, I'm very passionate about Anne Summers. I'm very passionate about what we do and i you know i've been doing this for 40 years now believe it or not um, so it's not something that you know i'm just going to say oh look i'm i'm going to give this up and go and live on a beach for the rest of my life it's not about that it's just about you know getting our priorities right getting our priorities right and the balance right and the you know the con- i just identifying the contribution that we each make
0: so um some of the some of your your twitter feed if anyone's listening it's worth having a scroll through (laughs) because you have a lot of motivational messages but actually they're all they're all revolve around a few key themes um and it it sounds that you um you're quite good at self-talk um and you mentioned i can't remember the reddit somewhere or or i listened but you 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 talk about Sending an email to yourself of all your strengths and your key achievements, and when you're nervous about something, reading it to yourself. Um, and I love this. It's something I did as an athlete, actually, when I thought I didn't deserve to be on a start line, I'd write myself, I'd have a list of why I did deserve on the start line. Um, I, I wondered whether, you know, w- which of the lessons that you've learned through your amazing 40 year business career um, have helped you through some of the tough times with your cancer diagnosis and, and your treatment? So, um,
1: the one thing actually, and it was my sister helped me do this. When you, when you're going through cancer treatment, you you know that you, you know, there's a, there's a cycle of, uh, uh, of feeling awful. I, I'm, let's say it's 10 days out of the, out of the four week cycle that you feel dreadful. And then you come out of that and then you have a few good days and then you go yeah. back feeling dreadful again. Um, and this, the second round of, uh, chemotherapy that I had in 2018 was actually a lot worse than the first one so I had platinum the oh, second yeah. time around and I found that made me feel even worse so at least with the at least with the taxol and um, the FEC, I think it was it just made me feel really tired and you just sleep your way you know I just slept my way through the whole thing yeah. but the second time two years later I just felt ill with it and I couldn't even you know, as, as I said, I, I lost my eyesight, I couldn't watch the telly, I couldn't do anything. Um, so what my sister did, and, and you know if anybody's on that path at the moment, is to get somebody is to get somebody to get your best friend or your partner to record you on your phone. And she recorded me on a really good day and she said, "Right. She calls me Jack. She said, "Right, Jack, tell me how you're feeling today." So I would say to her, I'm feeling great. And she's and she'd say to me, and what do you want to tell yourself next week when you're going through a bad, a bad moment? And of course, I said back to her or back to the video, you, you're going to get through this. This is a moment in time. You're going to get through this. And in a few days time, you're going to be feeling OK again. And, and whatever else I said, I can't remember now. It's a few years ago but that, that really helped me. So on the bad days, I would just watch that video or play that video back. And, uh, you know, again, Lucy, maybe you've done something similar.
0: So I love, I love this. And actually Jade, um, who, who works for move charity now, she is in her twenties and she had cancer. Um, and she talks on an earlier podcast. So she had to have really high dose chemotherapy where she was in hospital in a in a single room in isolation for say three or four weeks and she had to have I think two or three cycles of that and she said um she wrote herself a letter to read after the first one because she knew she wouldn't need to wouldn't want to go back into the second one and she wrote down how she had done it how she'd got through it how she'd done it once how she could do it again um, and she actually said she never needed to read it, but knowing that she had that there was was really powerful. And since she told me that, I've actually suggested to some of my patients doing very similar, either writing videos, probably a you know a recorded videos, a really good way of doing it as well. So I absolutely love that. Maybe if anyone's listening and has tried similar, let us know whether you've tried it and how how you how how it's helped. Yeah, and you know sometimes we have to be
1: our own cheerleaders, and you can't always, you know. Other people are going through their, you know, their ways of, you know, my husband went through a period of struggling with my diagnosis, you know, he's very angry and you can't always rely on those people when you need them to, to be your cheerleader. So I think if you can do, if you can do things like that, it, it's, it is very powerful.
0: So that brings me nicely onto one of your, one of our questions because we're, you know, we're British and Brits are not very good at at singing about our successes um and and something you do really well um that I I really struggle with actually um is being your own cheerleader and you've talked about an example with your cancer but actually you do it very well with your business and you talk a lot about empowering women not to be afraid to to shout about their successes um and I I found a great quote actually this is from your twitter I did a bit of stalking (laughs) but it really struck with me um for those women who are already successful If we're to inspire the next generation of women behind us, it's time to raise your head above the parapet and boldly celebrate your success. Um, So what are your tips for people, you know, like me or or the charity actually, Move? I think we do amazing work, but we're not very good at pitching to funders and saying, you know, selling the great work that we do. Um, What tips can you give those of us who aren't confident at at promoting our, our successes? It's
1: a shame, isn't it? Because it is a female trait that we, and I think it it goes back to how we were brought up, you know, boys are brought up to be brave, girls are are brought up to be polite and helpful. And, uh, you know, we we have a tendency to, you know, play our achievements down and let, um, you know, the men around us, you know, Uh, do do that side of things you know and and boldly boldly celebrate their success as they do very very well. I think what drove me to do this was that um, obviously I have a young daughter as I said earlier Scarlett was a twin Um, and um, when she was five years old I took her to see me speak at one of the many conferences that I speak at Um, and incidentally when I used to do them quite prolifically They were, you know, always full of men. Very rarely were there a lot of women in the room. And I really wanted her to see Mummy up on stage and think, actually, this is something women do, not just men. So that was my first reason for doing it. Um, And then I was very, very fortunate in in 2016 to be awarded a, a CBE by the Queen. And again, I took my daughter out of school because I wanted her to see... To see her mummy, um, you know, be the most proudest moment of my life, to be honest, um, other than the birth of my children, was to to receive that award. So it's so important for her to see that. And I I just one of the things that, um, you know, I constantly try to say is that we, successful women, um, do need to lead by example. And it's those successful women that really do need, if we want to inspire, and I'm going to repeat what you just said there, but if we want to inspire the next generation and actually our own daughters um, and and our sons, you know, if we want to inspire them, we've got to stop being um, apologetic about who we are and what we've achieved and we've got to stop being modest and we need to, um, you know, for their sakes, we need to say, This is what I've achieved and be proud of that. And that will inspire. And, I, you know, we do it in our own business uh, and summers. Um, And that does inspire the, you know, those that that um, pipeline of women coming up thinking, I want to be like that. I want to be that, you know, and if we want equality, um, which, uh, you know, I was only speaking at an event recently called Thrive, you know, we need uh, this isn't. In my view, this isn't a female problem, this isn't everyone's problem. Mm. You know, because if we want equality, if we want households to have, you know, the best income that they can have, then this isn't just a woman's problem, this is an everybody's problem. And um, we need we, we need men to be agents of change, we need uh we need to create allyship within business. Um, and we've got to stop um Playing down the wonderful things that we've achieved, and I think a lot of that. And you go back to that email that uh, you mentioned. You, you mentioned earlier, and if I if I'm allowed to just uh, elaborate on that, you know, so many women come to me and say that they they suffer from um, help me out here, Lucy. What's impostor syndrome?
0: Imposter syndrome. That was my... like <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? We've all done it. I've been there. I I I remember. Uh, um. Years and years ago, I was going to this government roundtable dinner, actually held by Vince Cable, who was the, uh, you know, he was the, I don't know if he was the leader at the time, but anyway, he was involved in the, um, the Liberal Democrat Party. And, um, you know, we talked about imposter syndrome at this, at this dinner. Um, and I think the trouble is, we just, so many women think, you know, I don't deserve to be there and yeah. yet there are so many talented women in this country you know 80% of my board are women uh, our top 4 uh, highest earners at ann summers are all women you know these are fantastic women that are you know and they're not ball breakers excuse the expression mm-hmm. you know when i don't we're not i'm not looking for table bashers or chest beaters you know these are quality women who have empathy that are warm that have a fantastic history you know stories their mums they're doing brilliant jobs um and there's many of us out there you know you don't have to be um like they show you on on you know you don't have to be a dragon uh to be successful but we do need to show that side of us we do need to be authentic um and we do need to celebrate and and our success. And that's why I said in that, in wherever you saw that, uh, you know, if you are one of those people that has wobbly moments, do an email to yourself, list out all the things that you've achieved in your in your life, both business and what you've achieved in your personal life. And when you are having a wobble, or if you're going to step outside of your comfort zone, or you're going to go and do a speech, or maybe you you were talking then when you're doing a pitch, you know, read back what you've done and just remember, and uh, you know, how awesome you are. I mean, and listen, I- you are awesome. You told me at the beginning, you're you were telling me your story and it's a fantastic story. Um, people want to know about that.
0: Well, we're, you'll be pleased we're all women at Move Charity. Um, although we did have a conversation last week saying we think we need a a bullish man to come in and do the, the promotion of us, which I think we need to go away and rethink that and actually work out how we can do that that ourselves with the you know the nice women that we are. Well, maybe it's just, you know,
1: we all complement each other in business. You know, you all have different skills. It doesn't have to be a man. If it's a man, then great. But it doesn't have to be a man. Don't just think only men are confident enough to stand up and, and, and do that. That's not true. Um, you know there are some amazing women that that can do that for you.
0: I have to say I do love the self talk, and it's something I always I poo pooed until you know people. I'd hear people say say examples similar to to what you've just said, and I I kind of think it wouldn't work, but it it does work. It really works. Um, so investing a little bit of time in understanding how your psychology works and can I, be really. And just to say, Lucy,
1: you know, as a child, I was incredibly shy incredibly shy and the one thing I, I would share to everybody and and your you know your charity listening listening in is that how do you go from being a, tw- a shy 21 year old to um you know the owner of a multi-million pound company how do you do that you know you can't be shy all your life and and be that successful and we go back to excuse me i'll just grab a drink here <laughs> It's me talking too much. <clears throat> um, you know, you, you can't achieve that in life by just being shy. But it goes back to um, the, self-talk, the self-talk. And the one thing I had in abundance when I was younger, although I was painfully shy, I had a lot of courage and still do. So if you have the courage to step outside of your comfort zone, you know, I remember when I... When I founded the Anne Summers party plan, as it was known then, we call it our sisterhood now, um, you know, the Tupperware-style parties, I remember holding um, my first big event in, in uh, Brighton at the Grand Palace Hotel for 200 women. It seemed like a fantastic idea at the time <laughs> when, I pl- when I planned the idea. But then when I had to go out on stage and talk to them all, it was like, oh, my God, what have I done? And I never, ever forget that moment. But if you've got the courage and the passion once you're out there it's amazing you know great things do happen because suddenly you are talking to 200 people about what you believe passionately about and then when you come off you think oh my god i did that and when you do it that gives you the confidence and the uh you know the drive and to go on and do something a little bit more you know push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit more so
0: I had um I had a, I, I, I've done a few talks about the benefits of exercise for people with cancer at conferences and I tend to get people up doing a bit of exercise at the start with some cheesy music and I was doing a talk at a breast cancer conference and I it was a UK breast cancer I, in my head I just thought it was going to be about twenty people in a room and it was in a big posh London hotel. And I walked in, and there were three hundred. You know what? You know the classical oncologists in their suits and their smart dresses. And I was—I just thought I can't. I can't put my music on and stand on that stage and get them all dancing. Um, and I—I I actually went back to my athlete psychology and <laughs> sat there writing to myself. You can do it. You can do it. You've done it before. Um, and I did it, and it, it was actually fine. It. But and what I did- was first? What was what was the response? Uh, they got up and they got involved and it was brilliant <laughs> but I I'm, I haven't been that out of my comfort zone in um in quite a long time I think
1: yeah fantastic and you know we have to remember that those people that we're looking at they breathe the same air as us they might be wearing suits but you know they've all got personalities they've all got you know their own story to tell They're...
0: everyone goes to the loo in the morning <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, I've got a couple more things if, you, if you've if you got time I'd, I'd just like to explore um so Anne Summers I think the brand of Anne Summers everyone knows what Anne Summers stands for we may not have all kind of bought something from Anne Summers um but we all have a clear picture of what you do um and I guess in some ways Anne Summers and cancer treatment have quite a lot in common because they're both quite intimate and um, they both involve people opening up and being honest about personal lives and and feelings and you've created this probably one of the best biggest best well-known brands in the UK Um, I think cancer survivorship or living with cancer whatever you want to call it has has got a brand that the you know the media perpetuates and generally you'd imagine a picture of someone without any hair perhaps being sick because that's what you see on the television. Um I don't know whether you think that's fair or not. But if is there anything that you you would like to change about the way that living with cancer, because so many people are living with incurable cancer but have a, you know, have a long, long expected um lifespan despite cancer. Is there anything that you would like to see change <laughs> about about that perception?
1: Yeah, I think um I think that's a really good question, actually. Um, when I was first diagnosed, I chose not to tell anybody, other than my immediate, my husband, um, and uh, my immediate family, my sister, my father, etc. And I did that because I I had such a positive attitude. I didn't want other people's reaction to impact my recovery, and to uh, you know changed the way i felt about uh, you know my optimism for the future and um, then there were the occasions where i had to tell other people you know I'm, I'm for example the lady that does my clothes alterations i wouldn't normally tell her but when she you know i was losing a yeah. lot of weight and when she came to um make alterations I'd got a put uh, you know I had a port I think and you know different things that gave the game away so um, you know and people people react in very different ways and there are a lot of people unfortunately who re- react in a very negative and sometimes unhelpful way so they'll either overwhelm you with all these uh ideas of how you can get yourself better um or they'll uh tell you about Mary down the road who had it <laughs> yeah
0: um
1: and uh, and then tell you a long story about about that which usually has a bad ending. Um and I also remember saying to um to to this lady, Maria her name was um well I'm having these things altered because my husband's I mean, the actual the uh, the oncologist had given me a week off, so I was, my husband was going to take me to Dubai for a week just to have a break. And I, and you know, I said in something. I said something like, you know, hopefully, I'll see you soon. And she went, don't don't say that. Like I was going to die next week. <laughs> um, and I think if we can educate the public more into what living with cancer really is like, and how people like to be treated. Um, And the type of support, you know, it's, it's more about listening than it is about, um, you know, when when we open up and say, this is what we've got, we're not looking for people to come up with the answer or the solution. We just, you know, it's, you know, often people don't know what to say, and you might not then hear from them for a year. And Mm -hmm. I, I had a very good friend who I didn't hear from and that that was very sad and and upsetting. So. you know, it's just knowing that they they're there to support you, even if it's just a text or a, a little phone call. It doesn't have to be anything major. It just just to know that you're on people's minds. Um, but I think I think there is there is a big thing about there is a big fear factor that you assume that everybody that has cancer is a going to die very quickly, very soon, um, or um, you know has a you know, it, it, it it's, you know, has this really negative, um, this very negative view of their life expectancy. And, and I think that we, it would be good to see people being much more, um, more positive and, and, and more understanding of what it's really like.
0: Mm, and, mm-hmm. and, and and cancer treatments are changing so quickly so so many people are now living for many 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 years on cancer treatment whereas 20 years ago that wasn't the case so we didn't have all the, the targeted drugs and, and things that that we have now um I yeah I am um, just got on the optimism thing it's something I struggle with as an oncologist actually um balancing giving balancing keeping hope with reality and it's it's I, I I never know how you know sometimes I get it really wrong because we do have to to say it how it is and I think um pretending that things are going to be okay when it's when they're probably not going to be okay is never the right thing to do but at the same time there, there is always hope and there are always patients that do much much better um you know I'm, I'm not talking about breast cancer I'm talking about some of the cancers I treat that are very serious and yeah I guess you've just really made me reflect on and a, and a patient did actually earlier in the week he said you know the conversation that you had last week with me Lucy it, it it makes me feel like there's no point and it really made me reflect on the way I say things and how how sometimes one comment one sentence in a 10 minute conversation maybe the only thing that a patient takes home with them. And that's true. And I can
1: I can't imagine how you know I can only imagine how difficult that is for, for oncologists because the moment I hear my oncologist say, can I be really honest with you? You know something bad is coming. Um, and I think the only things I can share are the things that I would like I would like to have heard differently. so the first thing is, I struggle when my oncologist tells me about statistics
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they say, well, on average, this particular drug you know or somebody with your condition, you've got X months to live if we're really going down the path that you're going you know based on statistics, you've got three months to live but it's just, I guess it's remembering that that person, I, when, when somebody says that to me, not that anybody has done, but when they say, you know, this drug, uh, statistically only, la- only works for six months, uh, that's the average. I think, well, I, I'm not average. Mm-hmm. I'm not average. You know, I, I've never been average. <laughs> you know, that's how I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to be treated like uh, I'm average. I, I, you know, I, there are always, in any situation, there are always two ends of the scale, aren't there? Yeah,
0: So that's,
1: yeah. Why, I struggle with, that's why I struggle with statistics, because, you know, there are people, um, and I don't know the figures, by the way, I'm making this up, but, you know, there's people with breast cancer that might only live a year, and then there's somebody like uh, Olivia Newton-John, who I think lived 20 years. Absolutely, yeah you know, they are they are the two extremes. So we shouldn't be saying, and I believe the statistics for breast cancer is, is it five years? I, I try not, and I never Google, by the way, because I don't want to know stuff like that. But, you know, whatever it is, we, you know, that, that's not helping. We're not, that doesn't relate to that individual. So yeah. um, maybe it's about saying, if you're going to say this, the average is X, Maybe it's then saying, but I've also got people that, you know, have lived for 20 years or, you know, I've got people still that I'm looking after and I've been in oncology for X years. You know, something so that we know that there is hope, I think is is perhaps, I don't know if that helps, Lucy. No, I think...
0: I think that's something that I've. Ju- I guess through doing the podcast, actually, it's very rare as a doctor that you get to talk to people about. You know, well, I meet people as a as a patient doctor, and we don't we don't sit down and have a conversation about what really. You know, the way that I do on on an interview like this, it's it's such a unique opportunity as a, as an oncologist, and I always just feel yeah feel so grateful to have the have the chance to learn from people who are actually going through it. I, I think it's something that I've taken on board, and I would. I try and balance it now with there are you know there are some people who do much much better than than whatever we've just said um final question um I was talking to my girlfriends uh, the Newnham girls that took me into into that Ann Summers shop um and one, one of them said I love that no one other than Ann Summers could have made me buy a vibrator um, so it's kind of related to to oncology um you walk into an Alzheimer's shop your staff have to be trained because they're having very personal conversations often with people who might be a bit embarrassed or you know they're talking about something that they don't normally talk about and it's, it's probably not that dissimilar to a patient walking into a doctor's surgery to mention a problem related to a part of their body that they're you know they're embarrassed about or mental health or something that is associated with some kind of stigma um do you support your? How do you train your sales teams? To so, so
1: uh, you know absolutely. I mean they're they're brilliant, and we have such good um, feedback because um, you've described it so well. Um, and yes, they are trained, and we do. We have sexperts, and uh, you know we have a tone of voice. I think it's um, it's understanding. You know, it it's, isn't just about what happens on the shop floor. Actually, it's 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 much. Uh, it's much bigger than that, you know. When we when we sit down and we have our brand meetings, which um, you know, I I'm you know guardian of the brand of everybody in our business, um, you know, it's about we talk about what is our tone of voice, what do we stand for, um, you know, out everything is about that consistency, um, you know, whether it be. It could be anything from um, how we talk to our customer, how we talk to each other. What's the imagery like? Um, it's things like even our our squad. So when we when we do our campaigns, our photo, uh, our our we've just done our Christmas campaign, which um, I attended. I try to always attend them, um, and we've got we must have had at least nine girls on the on on the campaign. And they're all from you know they're all different women. They've we've got we've got models that have we've got models that are size eight and ten. We've got curve models. We've got um, models of different ethnicity. We've got girls with a prosthetic leg. We've got another girl that's got a hearing aid. We've got uh, a trans model. So I'm I'm being extreme here mm. to just show you that I think when you When you embrace diversity, as we do, um, you know, that helps make anybody that walks into the store. We have uh, we have Mama Summers. We have Man Summers. (laughs) We have um, uh, Nan Summers. So you go to a Nan Summers party and there'll be three generations at any one party, you know, in our stores, although it's 80 percent women that come into our stores roughly. uh, You know, we have everybody from all walks of life. And. We try to represent that in our imagery and when we're doing our campaigns so that everybody feels welcome and everybody feels comfortable, um, you know, talking talking to our teams and we get great feedback with that.
0: I do think there's scope to somehow link that training to to healthcare, probably not through the NHS, but to healthcare professional to help us more comfortable talking about the bits that we don't like doing because we're all prudes. And uh, I'm here if you want to involve. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much, Jacqueline. Wow. Well, we started that conversation with the the quote from Jacqueline. Sometimes it can be hard to step outside of your comfort zone, but you never know what magic you might find in that uncomfortable place. I might have been a bit out of my comfort zone um, asking whether Jacqueline might consider coming on the show, but I definitely feel I got a little bit of magic from this conversation today. Uh, Well, probably quite a lot of magic, actually. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for speaking so openly and honestly to a complete stranger. Um, There are so many words of wisdom that I've taken from this, but I actually feel like I need a little bit of time to process it and digest it. I wonder, have any of you ever written messages or recorded videos to your future self to get you through the tough times? Do you have any other self-talk strategies that have helped you? Which other of Jacqueline's thoughts have resonated with you? We love hearing from you, so please do get in touch and let us know what you thought. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend or even better, give us a rating on whichever platform you've used to listen we'll be back again in a fortnight in the meantime have a good couple of weeks bye